So on our objectives, if you show our objectives list there, uh, we're still on number three, but we're really working on the dominion piece. And I'll, um, of course, we have two services today. And um, and so I'll say some things about this this morning, and then I'll say some more things that you haven't heard um, because I've never said them any place like I'm going to say them this evening. So, you know, this is the day Pastor, Pastor took the red eye to get here to preach to you this morning and to preach there this evening. And you want to be in both places. You're probably not as tired as I am, but um, I'm here. And so I want you to be blessed. And I believe the Lord is going to say something about the dominion aspect. And you really have a part to play. Like, you really have to grasp the fact that your deliverance is more than about you. That God wants to do something in your life and get you to a certain level of deliverance, that your deliverance can impact and influence other people. Not just your natural family, though that's, that's where it starts. Okay. Um, but then you might have some spiritual children yourself. When Apostle was a member of what was then 12th Street Church of God, she had some spiritual mothers that were discipling her who weren't the pastor. Some of them didn't necessarily have great formal authority in the church, but their impact on her life is being felt to this very day. Right? And so that can be you. And so when we think about this thing about fatherhood, I want, because this is fatherhood part three. Yep, yep. Okay, the ladies only got two. I know, I know, I know. I know y'all count. I know y'all count, but hold up, hold up. Sisters, I'm trying to help you out. I ain't trying to hurt you. All right? And uh, your life will be better when you have a man that understands what his assignment is as deliverer. Yeah, your, your days will be better. Your nights will go easier. <laughs> I think about that statement that uh, Apostle Hilliard said, and my life is the better after having heard the word. Oh, your life will be better because the man in your life understand his assignment as a deliverer. And then he will rise to the occasion of what God has called him to be. All right. I gave you a definition of fatherhood. Let's start there. The definition of fatherhood. Um, is our key thing. And they might be a little bit out of order because I was on a plane and it was late. Um, fatherhood is a kingdom office and officer established whereby men of God receive God's nature as Heavenly Father imparted to them to initiate life, exemplify life, exemplify meaning being an example of life. It's not just enough to initiate and then don't show them how to do it. You know, throw them in the water, see if he can swim. Okay, I mean, you know, all right, that, that's one way to do it, but you're supposed to be an example and start to lead them that way. Exemplify life and expand kingdom life to future generations by providing for, protecting, and projecting godly seed through to destiny maturity and recovering them in times of crisis, challenge, and critical change. So providing for them is a part of a father's responsibility you know, that thing, you know, Papa was a rolling stone and, you know, 
every place, you know, that he led his hair with his home. And when he died, all he left me was alone. Yeah, somebody. I know, I know. I'm going to bring you to the altar after. I'm going to bring you to the altar. But somebody, somebody knows something about <laughs> all he left me was alone. No, man. A good man leaves an inheritance, not alone, to his children's children. All right. Oh, that's talking about spiritual stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, it should be spiritual, but there should be some loot too. Yeah, it should be spiritual. You know, um, and you don't give them access to the accounts without accountability. You start figuring out, does John, Johnny, so nobody think I'm talking about somebody in the room. You're trying to figure out, you start to figure it out, does Johnny know how to value assets when you give him the tricycle? Because if he leaves the tricycle out in the rain to rust, then you know he isn't ready for the car yet. So you fix the misdemeanor before it becomes a felony. Right? You fix it while it's still small. But you're always looking, and that's a projection issue. You're always looking at where they are now, where they're going, and then you're calling to their future, even in the midst of their todays. Does that make sense? All right. And so that providing, protecting, and projecting, and projecting. I, one of the things that I'm always challenged by, um, and I really want to encourage men of destiny, if you're going to really be a man of destiny with the understanding of this amazing plan that's in C form inside of the ones inside of your house, you've got to plan for the future. Most people plan more for the vacation than the life that makes the vacation possible. I don't know. It just snuck up on me. Hold up. If you keep living, the future is coming. It might as well be the one you plan for. Does that make sense? And so in your father's house, there are many mansions. Why? Because he's planned for you. He's planned for your arrival. He didn't just say, I'm going to have kids. Oh, where they going to go? Where we going to live? He's planned for the wedding supper thousands of years in advance. Yeah. He's the master planner. And so I just want to encourage you, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Sit down with a piece of paper, think about the future, and write something down. Imagine a future that is coming. See where they are now. See where they can be then. 
see what's happening around them, see the threats and the opportunities, identify things and put an action plan that puts them closer to destiny than they are today. All right? You got to project. I laugh about this one because one time me and my daughter was playing with dolls. I blinked and then she was talking to me about boyfriends and I was I hadn't projected far enough. <laughs> I figured we was going to have that discussion when she was 30. I was wrong. No, that was just Okay, y'all hate, see, y'all, y'all judging me, y'all judging me, you judging me. But I realized in this area that I had just not planned for the eventuality. And then I said to myself, self, don't ever, don't you ever do that to me again. Oh, I'm talking to nobody, I'm talking to me. Don't you ever do that to me again. So now we think about the future. Even the stuff I don't, you know, I just want her to be daddy's little girl forever. I thought I was going to date her all the way through college. <laughs> she don't want to date me no more. It's still cool. We go out every now and again, but you understand what I'm saying? But it just, it's, that's kind of humorous. And I did that on purpose, but it was true, by the way. That was true. That wasn't, yeah, it slipped up on a brother. It just slipped up on me. But, but the big things I've been really working on for a long time. And some of them, I didn't know how they were going to work out, but I still had a plan as if this thing is going to get knocked down. Somehow, God's super is going to interrupt my natural and knock that one down and what's beyond it. And what I found is most of the time when people have deliverance issues, that issue looms so big that they can never see beyond. Like they never like if Pharaoh's gone and we cross the Red Sea, what are we going to do when we get to the wilderness? People don't think that far. They only think about the thing that's right in front of them. And a father has to project beyond what's right in front of him. A father has to look inside of the seed and see the forest because that's how God looks. He looks at you and sees your whole generation. And when he's trying to get you to make the right move, it's not just the right move for now. It's the right move for you. That's why he says, I said before you life and death, choose life. So you and your seed shall live. You've got to be able to plan. And if you're not super deep, don't like, like, just get you a special notebook. Well, you write stuff down. Call it a journal. Go to the journal store. If you've been sowing a daily seed into me, I, you can journal. Because your pastor is the master journaler. I'm just saying. You can, you can make a plan. Now, the plan's gonna change. That's okay. Nothing's going to go exactly the way you plan. But it's going to go better because you plan. And because you have planned, you'll be able to see opportunities that other people miss. 
That's a father's job. Where's that going to end up? My dad said to me, if you hit your sister, you'll hit your wife. Dad, it's not fair. They hit me and then they hide. It wasn't fair. But he wasn't dealing with my now. I wasn't hurt. Nobody like, you know, I'm still alive. You know, one sister stabbed me with a fork, but beyond that, you know, I'm okay. I still bear the marks. <laughs> if you haven't heard that story, then I won't put that one on the tape, okay? <laughs> I'm okay. But when I had relational difficulty, I understood the wisdom of that. I realized dad was teaching me something like, like I didn't get it then, but decades later, in my difficult days, I just had a call. It was just, it was all good. I could handle it. I just, you know what? Mm -hmm. But So he wasn't shooting a shot for right now. He was speaking and aiming for my future. That's a father. That's a father. That's a father. All right. Um, the father, the Hebrew word there is Ab, Abba. It literally means to be the strength of the house. The house bander is what husband means. You band the house together. So you have to monitor all the relationships. Man, some of my bros with my bros, you know, that's my brethren, my brethren. You know, here I am in a blended family. Um, I have a code of communication. with my daughter and my favorite nephew, his words, not mine. His words, not mine. And um, I'm integrating the family together because I have a wife coming into a system that's already existed. Then I also have a mother. She high maintenance. Not bad. God, now, if I didn't honor, then we have another set of difficulties, wouldn't we? But I got to manage. These things don't just happen. Somebody got a plan. Because I'm a son, but I'm a fatherly son. So I have to think about her. And the scripture says, if a man talking about how, I, how a son takes care of a widow mother... If he doesn't provide, which literally means to have a plan ahead of time that he's thought through, he's worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. So I got to be thinking about all of these things. And then nobody can see me sweat. 
Some days it felt like I was spinning the plate over here, holding it up. Then another plate, I go spin it before this one fall down. And then there was a third plate behind me. I'm spinning that one and I'm trying to keep them all spinning. House bander. She's got to know that she number one. I got to still honor here. And I got to make sure that the daughter that I had before she got here, I don't lose that connection. But she's feeling intimidated. So she, you know, that we have these three way conversations. She's sitting, she's in the room, but on the outside of it, because we have already built a language and a culture. We're just me and my two little children. House bander. And so I'm, I'm having difficult, like my mind is going through all kinds of projections. Because if I don't do this right, I can lose the marriage. I can lose the destiny and legacy that's in the children. And I can lose the honor that I need to make sure all of these things go right, even from the heritage perspective. And God's expecting me to fix them all. Can't point to nobody else. Talking to the man in the mirror. Yeah. So the people that really knew, they were like, dude, you, yeah, bro. Yeah, my hustle is real. What I'm trying to say in all... And this was not to put nobody on front street. It's just to understand that the house bander is a real gig. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like God really holds you responsible for that. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you got to, you got to deal with all of the pieces. You got to hold it together, man. Me and my favorite nephew, I had to have a hard conversation. I said, love, man, I mean, you know, I love you. And I said, but listen here, if you don't treat this one right, you will go from the favorite <laughs> to the outhouse real quick. And I'm going to still love you in the outhouse. And what I said was, one day you might be sitting in the seat that I'm in. And if I'm not here and we have the children that we want to have, they might be in the seat that you're sitting in. And so I'm going to tell you like what I would want you to tell them if they was in the seat that you're in and, and you're in the seat I'm in. I'm projecting. Even in, the, even in the discipline, I'm still creating a picture of a preferred future. I see these are... These are nuances. Pastors giving stories, but I'm not, I'm not freewheeling. I know exactly where I'm at. Now, why are you saying these things, Pastor? Because people don't know how to pull their families together. They don't know how to go through the rough patches and everybody feel whole. There's going to be some rough patches. 
you got people together, it's going to be some rough patches. Somebody's got to be the one who pulls things together. And whoever that someone is, is really the leader. They don't have to have a formal position. I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm spinning, I'm thinking about the church and this and that and that and that and that. And I'm mad at nobody. Don't have to be. It's my job. This is what this is what the gig was. <laughs> this is what it is. But if I do it right, everybody get delivered. Everybody feel whole. Everybody feel respected. Everybody can move forward. Father, that's your job to see that everybody moves forward. Everybody got to move forward. And when they're not, so, you know, because you can only influence, you can influence, but you can't control. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't want to put a burden on people, you know, because not everybody want it. And, and you shouldn't have, I'm not telling you to let your life sit on hold for people who are going through their dumb days. So you have to lay the law down, but leave the door open. Here's the rules, okay? This is it. I ain't mad at you. I love you. And when you come back, I'm going to be right here waiting for you. But when you come back, the rule haven't changed. I just want, just, just so we clear. Got my, I got my arms open. But the rule hasn't changed. Right? But that's, that, that capability to do that begins to extend your deliverance all through your family. We talked about I got a key statement about making destiny moves now that'll give you a dynasty later. Show, show that key statement about your destiny moves. If you make moves for the future right now, you'll have a dynasty later. If you make destiny moves now, I want you now I'm talking to the young men, to think now I am a father right now. Now, I'm not an existing father, I'm an emerging father. Which means you're still carrying your seed with you and don't be dropping them before time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Because you might find it's cheaper to zipper. Okay. But I want you to know that right where you are now, the moves you make are going to matter later. So you can make moves today that really set your generations up. Or you can wait till the kids get here and try to figure it out. 
one way produces, it just produces more success. You're carrying your seed with you. So you're already making moves for your generation right now. Let's look at um, Hebrews 7, 1 through 10. We'll see Abraham making moves in his extended family as an uncle, but then also making moves with the seed that he was carrying with him at the same time. Hebrews 7. And it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now, consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the, peop from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, th though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. Paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father. His father, he was still in the loins. Dad was still carrying his seed with him when Melchizedek met him. So there are two things that are happening in this story. One is Uncle Abe has a knuckleheaded nephew named Lot. Lot got into trouble. Uncle Abe got the A-team and went out and delivered him. All right. See, I had a picture. Show, show my picture. You got my picture? I talked to you about my picture last week. Yeah. This was the picture that was on my desk at work. They's like, man, you must be a stud muffin. Hold up, bro. Hold up. Hold up. Pump the brakes. See, these are, these are all my nieces and nephews. I said, but I understand, like Abraham, that I have a responsibility as much as is needed, as much as I can. Don't want to step on nobody's toes. But I still am trying to make a difference to reach beyond. Now, at this point in time, there is no, there is no Johnson from Pastor David Johnson. 
Well, like Abraham, I'm trying to make a move. And now, at the stage I am now, I'm trying to teach the emerging fathers, the men that's within the circle of the family, how to support one another as brothers, how to, how to support one another as brothers, and also how to reach beyond and help the one that needs help because I'm trying to create an inner circle within my family circle that will outlive my lifetime. Abe, Uncle Abe came and got his nephew out of trouble. Remember a time where one of my nephews was in trouble. He would call at nights, you know, was out in the street doing his thing. Sometimes he would wake me up at night. Most of the time I would go back to bed, but the Lord said, no, 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 bro. You, this one you don't go to bed on. You need to get up right now. And you need to go find him. This story was the story that came to my mind. Abraham got Lot so I can find him. I don't know where he is. Not, not in his right mind. Suicidal. I don't know where he is. So I got in my car and drove. And um, because I knew that um, I had listened to some CDs about the blessing and the power of the blessing in the family from Brother Kenneth Copeland, I put that CD on. You know, it was CD time back then. So I put that CD on in the car. And I just drove. God, you've got to help me find my nephew. So I drove and drove and drove and drove. And finally, I went down by the Flint River. And he was standing up, contemplating whether to go in or not. Had to call 911. Couldn't fix it all myself. And I'm frustrated. I'm agitated. The lady on, calm down. Sir, you got to help me help you. I need, I need some emergency service. But I found him. I found him. I'm, I'm talking about fathers being deliverers. After the situation settled down, I was on my way back. I called 911 back. I said, dispatch, I just need you to put me back through the lady that took my call. I said, I just called you to say thank you. Thank you for calming me down to the point where you help, helped me so that I could help you help me. Thank you. Just wanted to say thank you. Wanted to be like that one Samaritan that just turned around because they get all of the crazy calls up front. I just wanted them to hear somebody turn around and say thank you. 
I, I just want you to understand, this is not like, for me, this stuff isn't just, this, this is not just Bible stuff. You were, I knew I was created to be a deliverer. I'm like, Lord, you're going to help me find him today. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to understand that capacity is in you now. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't in my loins any more than Lot was in Abraham's. But I understood my assignment. I'm concerned not enough men understand their assignment and are taking on the responsibility that goes with that. Not only do you need to do it, but you got to build that into your family. It's built in our family. My dad died that the siblings were going to help the younger one get through. I just, I just expected it. I, did, I didn't know that was like even special. I just knew that's what we were supposed to do. You want to have your family unit live beyond your lifetime, then you're going to have to build something into it now. Don't, don't wait till you're gone and then you out there on a slab and then they trying to figure it out. I knew you. Mama, you was always her favorite. I ain't doing nothing for you. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Let's go to my eight tools in the toolkit. Eight tools in the deliverance toolkit of a father. Number one. Is the patterns of a father. If you had a godly pattern, then build on it. If you had an ungodly pattern, then break it and build one. Those are your only two options. There, there is not a third option. There's not an option where you spend a lifetime whining about the father you didn't have while you're, while you're waiting to be a father to the kids you got. I'm tired of just seeing old dudes sit around and trying to figure it out. I'm like, bruh, bruh. Like, going and I had a good foundation, but there was still a hole there. I just had enough recognition to realize that there, there was help for me out there. And the only thing I get credit for was being smart enough to figure out that help existed and then to go get it and then accept it and then act on it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Okay? If <laughs> just adopt and adapt. You can do it. Sometimes you got to play act. When I was a kid, I imagined myself to be an astronaut. And I played like I was one. Then I imagined myself to be an engineer and a businessman with a suit and a briefcase walking into an office. And so, so I played into the role until it became natural for me. 
It's a pattern. Romans 4, 11 and 12 talks about the fact, just write that one down, that we are to walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, the father of faith. Because his life was a pattern of hearing God, believing God, and obeying. Hearing God, believing God, obeying, and then confessing on what he heard and believed and obeyed. It's a pattern. You're supposed to be a pattern. I used to see my dad hug my mother, sit next to her real close. We didn't have bucket seats. There was a big bench seat in the car. And they was all snuggled up together. And so I would try to sit down, do what my dad did, because my dad did it. With my mama, not no, no, no little girlfriend, my mama. Just so we know what I'm talking about. This she was trying to push me away. Dad said, don't do that. One day he going to want to kiss somebody. It ain't going to be you. <laughs> that day is this day. Okay. <laughs> but dad was a pattern. Your pattern will live beyond your lifetime. So build good. Be a good pattern. Be a good pattern. Let somebody who doesn't read your Bible read your life and know what your Bible says. Your pattern will deliver people. Number two is the principles of a father. The book of Proverbs were a collection of principles taught by a father to his son. And actually, Proverbs 4, uh, let's not rush this one. I, this one I want to deal with because the way I teach is because I want people to understand principles. Principles have a way that if you can just build your life on them, it gives your life stability, endurance. It gives your life longevity. And so your life should be a, a, a process of collecting principles and then living them out to the point that your life can transfer those principles to another generation. Look at Proverbs 4, 1 through 6. Let's see that one, media team. It says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. So Proverbs was an instruction from a father. Got it? If I give you good doctrine, doctrine is not just church stuff, because this was not about churchianity. This was just about how to live your life. 
It wasn't about what you do in church and how to wear a good suit and shout and dance and use church lingo. You know, when to wave your hands, when to shout and dance. It wasn't about that. It was just about how to go to work every day, how to choose friends. Right? Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and only and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live, get wisdom and understanding. Do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. So Solomon was passing on to his son principles that he learned from his father. So David had collected principles taught them to Solomon, Solomon began to learn those principles, adopt them and adapt them, and then began to teach his son. So they were generational principles. This is destiny generation. That's why I want you to see the flow. Okay. Um, generations after Solomon was one in his line that became king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah's dad, Ahaz, was a knucklehead. So Hezekiah looked over his natural father and went back to the godly person in his family line and then studied the Proverbs that Solomon had wrote out. You know, I was thinking about this one. My dad, um, he could write like short proverb type statements. Now, I'm a lot more wordy than daddy was. My stuff was all long and complicated. Dad was simple. Like, he would say something like, you know, every snowflake is small, but look at what they can do when they stick together. When I, when I see the things that my nephew, the drummer, not, not, not the young preacher, when he writes proverbial statements, them things got power, man. The Lord told me to tell you, that's that... That's your granddad's stuff and you. Don't, you, you need to write them down and organize them. You need to keep them. You need to live them out so that you have a track record that matters when you try to pass them on. My dad had that. I had them. It was in a briefcase and somewhere I lost track of the briefcase. I'm hoping my sister ain't throwing away. I pray about it, but I can't do nothing. I ain't even mad. I ain't even mad. And she like, listen, clean it up. You had your day. And she right, I have. But we want to keep generational wisdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to teach our young men how to build principles because those principles will provide deliverance to a future generation. It's the reason why all of my messages are archived. And I'm teaching the next generation of minister to access it. Because he'll build on my principles and take them further. 
You're not supposed to each generation go back to zero and start over. That's my point. I'm trying to teach us how to have dynasty. You're not supposed to get at every generation. Well, I, my, my dad did his own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. Okay, hold up. Pump the brakes, bro. Just listen. There's some wisdom out there. You don't, you don't have to do it over. You can learn from somebody else. Does that make sense? Third was the predictability of a father. We talked about that the prodigal son knew that his dad's house functioned a certain way. And when he came home, he expected it. So he was there in a pit remembering how well, how predictable daddy's house was. I'm here hungry and I know daddy's servants are sitting at a table eating and then pushing away the plate because they full. He knew how daddy's house was going to be running when he got back. He understood his father was predictable. Something wrong. I have a problem. When you married a woman in her prime, then she go through some changes, go through some health challenges. And now you're trying to figure out, do you want to be married? Suck it up, buttercup. You better handle your business. Something wrong with you. Pastor, feel some kind of way. You come up in here, I'm going to rebuke you in Jesus' name. Now the sex is over and the love is too. Something wrong with you. Something wrong with you. Something is wrong with you. You ought to be predictable. You ought to be able to be counted on. That predictability will cause deliverance in your family. Seen on TV where a dude has another woman in the house because his wife got Alzheimer's and don't know it. <laughs> Almost said something that was going to get me in trouble. Pastor feels some kind of way. I feel some kind of way about that. My vow to her, it don't matter if her, she's not in her right mind and don't know it. I still promise God. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with your character. You're broken. And the fact that everybody on social media is saying it's okay, don't st you still broken. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Oh, Pastor, that's easy to say. Um, okay. All right. I, you're right. I haven't been there yet. But I'm telling you now, I'm calling my shot today. And if you see me live different, you have the right to call me out on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right is right. Predictability, protections of a father. Brother Sheldon, you didn't hear this, but I talked about how when you were swimming out in the middle of the lake and your dad swam out to get you. I told him about that last week. <laughs> He's like, oh. <laughs> 
Listen, that was the perfect picture of protection. That's what a father is. Some days you just got to go get him. The prophecies of a father, Hebrews 11, 20 and 21. The prophecies of a father. Father, stop cussing your kids. You ain't never going to be nothing. Stop that. My dad taught me. My dad taught me. You, you never call a kid bad. You just don't do it. Even when you're correcting them, you correct up. You don't correct down. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, especially your sons. I, I, I'm going to make a man out of you. No, you're not making a man. You're making him want hate men. You're making him not identify with you. Got to be able to correct them and bring them in. You ready? Hebrews 11, 20, 21. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. They spoke words that reached into their futures. Now, listen, dads. Even the emerging fathers with no kids around. If Abraham was making moves that affected Levi, and Levi wasn't even the part of it that had got to the priesthood, because it wasn't like Levi was a priest. It was Aaron who was still a couple generations after Levi. He was making moves. Listen, you are carrying your family with you now. Act like you a father. Not to somebody else's. You know, now you influence and you do the uncle thing and the brother thing and the cousin do all of that. Be, be positive and stuff. But you're responsible for the seed you carry it. Don't nut up. And prophesy that I'm carrying great seed inside of me right now in my loins. Our destiny world shakers. Say something. I told you last week, and then um, Brother Tim told me the name of the man who was a preacher in the 1700s. His name was Jonathan Edwards. And man, from his family came like presidents of the United States, president of Harvard, and all these other institutions. Like he had a family. It was amazing. Like one man had all of these kind of people that literally shaped this nation. And what he would do is he would bring them all his kids and his grandkids and all bring them and sit them on his lap and prophesy over their lives. People don't understand the prophecies of a father. They only do it in the negative. You, you ain't going to see. They, 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 they only know how to negative. They don't know how to do it in the positive. So generational curse seems bigger than generational blessing. It's not. 
It just seems that way because people have more confidence in the curse and they're more good. They're, they're better at doing the curse than they are at doing the blessing. People can cuss you real good. Even saints. Yeah. <laughs> saints can cuss you. All right. But it takes some real intention to know how to bless. Takes some real intention. The prayers of a father. Abraham said of Ishmael, the one that wasn't in custody. Oh, that Ishmael would live before you forever. The one who God gave him the parenting agreement and said, send him and his mama packing. And he gave him what today we would call bottled water and sent him moving. Go back and read it. You don't have to take my word on it. But God said, because you prayed for him, even though he, he's, he's a little wild. Sometimes children that get out of our house are a little bit wilder. You know, he's a little wild because you prayed for him because he's your son. I'm still going to bless him. Prayers of a father. These are deliverance tools, man. You got some tools. The multi-generational progressions of a father. What I said about this was most people become grandfathers because their kids have kids. But if you want to be a patriarch, you need to father fathers. Now, that's a whole different thing. It's more than grandkids. You want to live a life and be an example of a great father to the point that your sons become great fathers themselves. So I'm listen. I'm looking at all my nephews and I'm just watching them. I'm just watching. I'm just watching. And I'm watching the moves that they're making and I'm talking to them. I ain't mad at none of them. Some of them, some of them fathers, but this is a whole different kind of father that I'm talking about now. More than just having kids. Trying to get them to the point where they can think like a father. They can love like a father. They can respond like a father. If I can really mature, assist in their maturity to become fathers themselves, by definition, I move to being a patriarch. Does that make sense? And that's not just true naturally, that's true spiritually. I'm watching the spiritual dynamics of my spiritual sons. And then I'm Working to teach them how to disciple others. So I'm taking all of the Proverbs that I've worked out 
in music ministry, and I'm teaching him to John, and I'm having him teach. I'm not teaching him. Because what he teach, he going to remember. Now, if I can multiply that in him to the point where he raises another generation, I have just, I have just jumped statuses, y'all. I have. You got it? I see. Now, that's very simple, but it's quite profound, isn't it? It's quite profound. All right. Last one is the progressiveness of a father. I told you I would read this one, so I'm going to read this one out loud. Um, this is Numbers 27. I think I gave you verses 1 through 11, right? You can put that up. I'm going to let you share that. So um, <laughs> let me, look at me for a second. Okay. Um, this, is, this is a sports analogy. So sisters, you may, you may not get this one, and you may. Um, fathers, as you work to help your sons to grow to fathers, um, more Dale Curry, less LeVar Ball. Y'all got that? Okay, y'all got that? That was a real simple one, but did y'all get that? Okay. So for the ladies in the room that don't know what I'm talking about, Dale Curry was a great player, and he had two sons playing against each other in the finals, in the NBA finals. Not the, the complete finals, but they was um, in one of the, the lead-up, the semifinals, I guess is what you would call it. There was at least the conference finals. And so Dale Curry was there with his wife, and so the two sons were playing each other, and they're just enjoying seeing their sons doing their thing because of what he's, he's done. On the other side, LeVar Ball is just jawjacking about <laughs> I'm like, you are not helping your sons. Not at all. Okay. You understand? So sometimes people try to do this, but they don't have the right spirit about it. All right. Okay. Now, this, this one about the progressiveness on the father, I talked about it, but I want y'all to see this scripture. There's a lot of sisters in there. And there's a lot of fathers who only have daughters like yours truly right now. And even how you do as a father has a lot to do with how your daughters deal. Let's look at it. Go ahead. Uh, from the families, is it, go back to the first part. I'm sorry. I think there's a first part to that, wasn't it? Is that the start of the verse? Sorry, I'm just looking at it. I didn't have this one in my notes. So you Let's just see it. It said, oh. Yeah, because that's the part B of verse 1. Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, from the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these were the names of his daughters. His daughters are MVP, so even though most women's names aren't listed in the Bible, his daughters are listed. That's telling you, some, telling you something about this dad. His daughters were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terza. And they stood before Moses. They got some boldness. Before Eliezer, the priest, and before all of them brothers, the leaders, and, and all the congregation by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord. 
in, the, in company with Korah, but he died in his own sin and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brothers. These sisters stood up strong. So Moses, who is the Supreme Court, brought their case before the Lord. And even though there was no case history or precedent in front of them, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, the daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. Women didn't have a voice in those companies. And they went in there anyway and stood up and God said, I approve their message. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, if a man dies and has no son, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass to his daughter. If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if he has and if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the relative closest to him in his family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be to the children of Israel a statute of judgment, just as the Lord commanded Moses. I think that's it, right? All right. So, Pastor, what, what like Zelophehad had clearly had given his children some, his daughters some confidence. See, you know why I know these scriptures? Because I got daughter. <laughs> and I got to know everything. I'm trying to teach you how to project. I got to know everything that is necessary to make sure, make sure she's got what she needs to be successful in what God's called her to do. I can't have the sons be successful and then she's sitting over there at a wildflower with no confidence. She got to handle it, baby. She down working for American Express. I like, no, you got to calm down. You got to handle business. You a Johnson. You better go in there and do something. I got to make sure I'm responsible. Now, if I had all sons, I might not know this scripture. But I had to figure out what was going to work for me to help me in the situation I got. So I had to go find the wisdom and it was some in there. And I said, that scripture is talking to me. I see some fathers because they have daughters, not doing their daughter's service and giving them the justice they need. The reality is, and I said it last week, but I'll say it again in honor to my wife's, father who I never met. Different than her sister, she was the one who tinkered with dad. And everything she got, I needed. God knew all the help I needed. 
You understand what I'm saying? I'm glad that she had a father that looked ahead and provided. My life is the better because Frank McCorders. You hear me? Dads. Make sure you look out for your girls too. I'm talking really good today. <laughs> this is this is some profound knowledge. There's a lot of preachers don't know what I just showed you. They don't even know scriptures like that is in the book. If they did, if they did, they wouldn't treat women ministers the way they do. You think that's just an Old Testament principle and God's not going to look out for his daughters? I want you to, to, to accept your role to be a deliverer. Wherever you are right now, whatever state you find your family in, your children in, somewhere on that list you can do something. You can be a pattern. You can pray. You can prophesy. You can protect. You can be progressive. You can train your children for an uncertain future when you're not around. Make your moves, young men. God's got some moves for you. Come on, let's stand. Are you, did this bless you today? Sometimes pastor has to say things and they are just, <laughs> to give it to you like... <laughs> I try not to be all shocky and stuff, and I only got the examples that I got, but they're very, my life is in this stuff, y'all. One thing that my spiritual father told me, our last time having a meal together, was that, was that pancake place on, that you and I went to on, in Southfield? Original House of Pancakes. Last meal. Our, I didn't know it was my last supper when I had it with him. He said, David, slow down. You're just trying to get them, people rushing through messages. The deaconess there, she would say, Pastor, you, you, you moving a little too fast. <laughs> you need to slow down so I can get this. Bishop said, Give them you. Have to understand. If you give them you, it'll stick with them. When you're not around, your voice will speak to them. Sometimes I cry as I, I think about my bishop because he was a real father. I know a lot of stuff has happened that didn't look like the life he lived. But I'll never forget what he did for me. Never forget him taking me up to Value City and buying me some white dress shirts. 
I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'll never forget me taking off so I can try it, taking off my shirt. He said, bro, you need to do some push-ups. I'll never forget that stuff either. <laughs> he was just that kind of die, guy, right? But his example delivers me today. I'm working to create a tribe of men. Bold, courageous, confident, know who they are. Don't have to be anybody else. Comfortable enough in their own skin that you don't intimidate them. They don't have to be like you. They don't have to have nothing you have, but they can, they can honor you, respect you, because they realize that giving you your credit doesn't take anything from them. That's a culture. That's a mindset. Because what God has for you is for you. My man going to know that. And they're going to know in their own space, in their own zone, with what God has given them, that they themselves are deliverers.